Welcome to the sermon podcast of Old Bridge Baptist Church. Our mission at OBBC is to make disciples of Christ who connect with God, others, ministry, and the lost. We pray that the following sermon will encourage you in your walk with Christ today. Visit us on the web anytime at obb.church. Well, I think my message this morning is uh, quite simple. Uh, quite to the point, and I think very, very practical. And I hope you will find it that those ways as well. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about what I think is, is a great need in our church, and therefore in each of our lives. Um, no one, not one of us, is excluded from that. And the need basically is what we are lacking, especially in light of the uh, COVID-19 virus. It's not the ability to meet in this place for worship on Sunday mornings, whether that was outside or inside, upstairs or downstairs. And although we've had uh, to observe social distancing by meeting in two rooms each week, at least we have been able to meet corporately and be edified to some degree by the, the teaching of the Word of God. But in all reality, you can be edified by the Word of God, uh, listening to your cell phone, sitting all by yourself at home or somewhere else. Now, someday we may have to meet in secret due to the, the, the persecution of the church, as many churches have had to do uh, all over the world for many, many generations, for centuries. But I think our need right now is what the virus has done to our fellowship, to our fellowship. What we're missing, I believe, is true fellowship, true fellowship. And I want to talk to you this morning how or what we can and should do about restoring true fellowship in our midst. What we're doing here this morning is not really fellowship, or at least it touches on fellowship uh, in a sense, but it's not true fellowship. Remember here, church is not um, an event Church is not a building that we go to, to to watch or listen to someone and then turn around and leave, go home. Church is not a spectator event. It's not a private experience. Fellowship, true fellowship. But what is it then? What is true fellowship? How do we define it? Now, we have a room downstairs <clears throat> that we call Fellowship Hall, although we've not used it since March, and what's that, almost nine months now? My goodness, that's incredible. It's a place downstairs where we eat together on occasion and uh, talk together, and I think we see fellowship for the most part as a social activity that takes place downstairs in that room. 
Now, true fellowship may or may not be taking place there. It may or may not include food. Now, I think food helps to create a family atmosphere. It helps to create community. It's social, and God has created us with a need for social relationships. You know, why do some men go to a bar every once in a while to meet a friend and to talk about sports or the job or whatever else they want to talk about? Because there's a need for social event. Uh, God has created us, in other words, with social needs. But fellowship is more than social. Fellowship is more, I believe, than friendship. Uh, the, the Christian life and God's church is meant to be relational. It's meant to be relational. We are not meant to live in isolation. God wants us to be vitally connected, not to a place, but to each other, to people. But that's been very difficult over the last nine months or so. Fellowship, then, is more than a social connection. The church is not a social club. The church is not a political platform. See, I can have, I can have a connection or friendship with anyone, but I cannot have fellowship, true fellowship, with just anyone. More specific or more particular than that. So what is fellowship? Word is used a number of times in the New Testament. The word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. That begins with K. And literally it means communion. It means a partnership. It means sharing a common life that we have together. So in a real sense, it is a partnership, but it's a partnership in something particular. It's something relational, but only among believers. Only believers can have true fellowship. Only believers have Jesus Christ in common. Only believers have salvation and the church, the true church in common. And so it's an active participation in the life of another Christian working at sharing that, that common interest together. It's friendship, but it's not merely friendship. Something greater than friendship. It's something deeper than friendship. Let me show you what I mean, essentially. Let me show you a couple of references. First is 1 John. Here, the, the Apostle John is writing about the reality of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard, you see, he's, he's talking about the physical reality of Jesus. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. 
And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, whether it's John's fellowship or our fellowship, it begins not with each other. It begins with God, the Father, and follows through with having a, a relationship or fellowship with his Son. And continuing with that, it's having relationship or fellowship with each other. And so primarily, it is God-centered. It is Christ-centered. That's where it all begins. And then in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2, where we have the beginning of the New Testament church. Here in Acts chapter 2, the church has just begun. It has just been born. This new organism in the world has just been born. In verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says, They, that's the church, believers, new believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was to the doctrine of the apostles. In other words, the word of God in that day. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Notice, their greatest priority was the scriptures, the word of God, the apostles' teaching. And then go down the list, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, there would be some who would say, well, the breaking of bread, that was, that was communion. Others would say, no, the breaking of bread was simply eating together. Well, personally, I think both were true. It is communion and it is eating together. But either way, it's part of fellowship. The Apostle Paul said something really powerful and very interesting in Philippians 3. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That's profound. You know, that, that is profound. He wants to know Christ better, but he also wants to have fellowship with Christ in his suffering. That's the extent of his love for Christ and his commitment to Christ. The fellowship of his suffering. He wants to be a part of that. I've never said that to God. Have you ever said that to God? You want to know the suffering of Jesus and have a part in that? Well, it gives you a hint of what the life of Christ was like. But it's all part of what fellowship is. Fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. So it's a communion. It's a communion based on what the most important thing in each of our lives is. Jesus, you see? The most important thing in life is Jesus his salvation that he's freely given to us, and his church that we are all a part of. Now, we have many differences represented among all of us this morning. There are age differences among us. There would be political differences, political party differences among us. There would be ethnic differences among us. Skin color, for example, there are cultural differences among us. There are various likes and dislikes. 
but it's Jesus that unites us. It's none of those other things in life, but it's Jesus that unites us. Everything else is secondary, ought to be secondary. Everything else pales in comparison to that. Let me show you what I mean. In um, Galatians chapter 3, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Galatians 3 and verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. Now, he's not saying those differences do not exist. Of course they did exist. But, he says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. No matter what those earthly differences might be, they all diminish, they all pale in comparison to our relationship with Christ. We are all one in Christ. We have to realize that and remember that. So fellowship then is working at helping another believer, another Christian, deepen his relationship with Jesus Christ and at the same time having your relationship deepened. Is it friendship? Yes. But it's more than friendship. It's friendship that has a specific and definite purpose. I see it in the Old Testament as well, not just the New Testament. Back in the book of 1 Samuel, when Saul was king over Israel, and you see Saul's relationship with young David, Saul knows that David is going to be king over all of Israel one day. And because he knows that, he hates David with a passion. And he's out to get David. Literally, he's out to kill David. And in fear, David flees from Jerusalem. He flees from the presence of King Saul. He flees for his life. And he goes to hide in the, the wilderness of Israel. And then the other character in the story is David's close friend, Jonathan. Not only a close friend, but I believe a fellow believer in the Lord. And when David has fled, Jonathan finds out where David has run to. And he goes to be with him. And the text says that he goes to strengthen David's hand in God. To strengthen his hand in the Lord. Some translations say he goes to strengthen David's heart in the Lord. His relationship in the Lord. He doesn't go to David to strengthen David's self-confidence. He doesn't say to David, hey, hang in there, me bucko. You can, you can do it. You're a strong guy. You can withstand anything. No, he goes to strengthen David's relationship to God. He goes to remind David of the promise that God had made to David some time ago. And he said, David, you're going to be king in Israel one day. Perhaps David has forgotten that. And so Jonathan goes to remind David of the promises of God. My friends, that is fellowship. That is true fellowship. That tells me something. That tells me a couple of things. Number one, 
we need true fellowship with other Christians. I need other Christians in my life. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without believers, other believers in my life. And secondly, it takes a conscious effort to encourage each other in the Lord. It's work. It takes conscious effort and work to have true fellowship with someone. Remember, it's friendship, yes, but it's friendship that has a purpose. It's not merely hanging out together with someone. Relationships are key. Relationships are vitally important. The Apostle Paul spends a lot of time in the New Testament focusing on just that, relationships. We are part of a body. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in, um, in Romans chapter 12. And it goes hand in hand to what David, what um, Dale read for us earlier. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are members of one another. We are connected to each other as Christians. Like it or not, we are connected, like all parts of the body are connected. No part of a body can function in isolation. All the various parts of my body are connected with each other. And just the same way as every part of my body is needed or necessary, every part of this body, every part of the body of Christ is absolutely necessary. We are members of one another. That part of, um, I don't want to read the whole thing again, but just let me read a couple of verses out of what Dale read in 1 Corinthians 12. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. Every part of this physical body works hand in hand and is necessary, just as important as every other body. We are connected to one another in the same way. That tells me something. It tells me something important, I believe. There's no such thing as a Christian who is not connected vitally connected to a local church. You hear that? Let me repeat it. There's no such thing as a Christian that is not connected vitally to a local church. God doesn't know it any other way. Paul doesn't know it any other way. It's how God planned it to be. Every Christian should be vitally connected. And Paul tells us, he spends a lot of time telling us what our relationships are to look like in the church. One of the best Bible studies I ever did on my own, this goes back many years now, 
was looking in the New Testament, primarily in Paul's epistles, on the one another's of the New Testament. The one another's of the New Testament. And that's what Paul does over and over again in all of, or most of his epistles. He shows us what relationships are to look like because relationships are key. Relationships were important to the Apostle Paul. What they're to look like or what they are not to look like, the positive and the negative as well. Let me, let me show you just a few of them and explain what I mean. On the positive sense, Romans, you have, you have a moment, look in Romans chapter 12. Many of them are in Romans, but they're in many other epistles. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Well, two things there. He starts with loving one another. It's a command, love one another. Now he's talking about a, a natural kind of love that you will find in a family. It's a, it's a family type of love. It's not based on our attraction to each other. Uh, it's not based on desirability in any way. It's not based on who you get along with in the church, but it's everybody. Brotherly love. Love one another with brotherly affection and then outdo one another in showing honor. Some translations say give preference to one another. Give preference to one another. Philippians 2 verse 3 I think explains it. He says in humility count others more significant than yourselves. What's he saying? Treat others more important than yourself. Consider other people in your church more important than you would treat yourselves, more significant than yourselves. No matter who they are, no matter what their status in life is, no matter how young or old they are, no matter what kind of job they hold, no matter what their personality is like, even if they're so unlike you, no matter how much they know, even to those people who aren't very appealing to you that you normally aren't attracted to, treat them not only with respect, but with greater honor than you would treat yourself. You know how hard that is? I hope you find it hard. I do. Some people are more attractive than others. Some people are more easier to get along with. Matters not. We are to do it with everyone. We're to do that, Paul says in another place, with patience, with kindness. You know what that does in a church? You know what that creates in a church when we can live that out practically? It creates unity. It, it eliminates any kind of schism or divisions or groups in the church. It creates a unity. And we are to work at creating unity. Paul says that in the book of Ephesians. Work at maintaining unity. Because it is 
work. It takes work. Another one, Romans chapter 15, he says, accept one another. Some translations use the word receive. Verse 7, Romans 15, receive or accept one another. Now, he's not talking about just accept new people into your midst, although, of course, it includes that. But it's accepting all believers, no matter who they are. The weak ones, the strong ones, there's to be no favoritism here. There is to be no prejudice here of any sort. And we're to do it because Christ has accepted us. Jesus accepted me with all my failures, with all my warts. It matters not. He has openly accepted me as part of his body. We are to do no less. Accept one another. Paul is showing in so many different ways that the Christian life is relational. It's not coming and sitting in pews or in chairs for an hour or so and then going home. No. True fellowship. Romans 14, 19, Paul says, edify one another. In other words, build up one another. He says, focus on those things in your relationships that will build up each other when it comes to their walk in the Lord. That's most important. Not the job, not the weather, not what's going on in the news this week or today, but building up one another in Christ. It means it's not complaining about things. It's not complaining about others in the church or what the church should be doing. That doesn't bring glory to God in any way. Reduces him. Edify one another. 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says, show hospitality to each other. Hospitality literally means the love of strangers. The love of strangers. Well, of course, that would relate to unbelievers, but it relates to the church as well. It relates to other Christians that you don't know much about at all. They may as well be strangers to you. And Peter says, do it without grumbling. Do it in love, willingly. There are many, many other positive aspects when it comes to the one another's, when it comes to true fellowship and building true fellowship. But there's also the negative list that Paul gives to us all through his epistles, and other writers do as well. Romans chapter 14, he says, don't judge one another. In other words, don't you be critical of others. You know what that does? It shows that I'm superior to you if I'm critical of you. It sets you up as being over someone or superior to someone else. Don't be envious of one another from Galatians 5. Don't speak against another Christian, James chapter 4. How important relationships are. We kind of forget that as we just go along day by day, forgetting or just ignoring some of these things. Don't grumble 
against one another. Don't complain against one another or about one another. God hates complainers, doesn't he? God hates whiners, I think. He really does. You know, how practical this all is. We can't ignore it. We can't ignore the commands of God as given to us by the Apostle Paul and others. How practical it all is. And it's very simply, it's all meant to be lived out in life and in his church. That's true fellowship. And I think that's what we're lacking to some degree because of the virus. You get the idea? I hope you do. I did when I went through all of this. You get the idea? The Christian life is about true fellowship, learning to share this common life that we have in Jesus Christ with each other. It's about building true relationships, good relationships with each other in God's house, God's place. Fellowship needs to be a priority among us. It was a priority in the early church right from the get-go, right from the beginning. Even when the early New Testament church in its infancy, when it was first born and under persecution, they suffered persecution right at the beginning of their birth. So how did they establish fellowship? You know how they did it? House to house to house to house. Not corporately meeting together in a big group as, as we do every week, but they do it house to house. And so how do you and I do it in light of COVID-19 virus. The same way. The same way, my friends. House to house to house. One at a time. Or two or so at a time. That's what connect groups, in part, what they're, they're all about, in part. House to house to house. Well, what if all these COVID restrictions continue? What if they continue through December? What if they continue through the spring? What if they continue and continue and continue? What do we do? How do we, how do we get along? House to house to house. One person or just a couple at a time, building relationships deepening relationships, experiencing true fellowship, one or two at a time. It's about getting to know each other better and helping each other to deepen a person's walk, his relationship or her relationship with Jesus Christ. But that takes work. And Paul knew that. Just becoming what God wants us to be. But you know what? I can do it. You can do it as well with some effort, even in the midst of a virus. And so start this week. Invite someone into your home. Even if you want to wear a mask, go ahead and do it. But you can do it. We all can. Learn what true fellowship is. We can learn to be creative in building 
true fellowship. God has given us grace. God has given us grace, the, the ability to do it. He's given us the motivation and the power, the strength to do it. So let's do it together. Let's honor the Lord and love each other in that way. Okay? Amen. Let me pray.